The disciples were not good enough to be invited to enter the school of the rabbis, but as they were tending their fishing nets, the call came from the greatest teacher the world has ever known. Even though he had no home, no visible means of support, and the established church was suspicious of him, they immediately left their former profession and followed the call of the Galilean rabbi. It's time to join your guide, Jim Ayer, for an exciting 12-episode journey into remodeling your life. You're going to discover that God's transforming power is real, and He's ready to provide that power to you. Now here's your guide, Jim Ayer, to take you on the journey of a lifetime, an amazing and dynamic experience with God. In training to become fishers of men, these followers, many of whom were seasoned fishermen, crisscrossed the rugged countryside, aiding Christ in the task of setting humanity free from the bonds of Satan. They walked countless dusty miles in their worn sandals, fishing for men and catching every word that proceeded from the mouth of Jesus as he shared the hope and joy of eternal life with hungry masses. It took almost three and a half years walking by Christ's side before truth was solidly anchored within their own hearts. And when it did take hold, tangible results from his abiding presence were seen almost immediately. The book of Acts records that thousands upon thousands of people flooded the church in response to the fervent pleas given by the once abrasive and uncouth fishermen. It becomes evident when the abiding presence of God inhabits one's life, an abundant harvest is the result. I urge you to walk so closely to your master that the ancient saying, may the dust of your rabbi fall upon you, become a reality. Jesus said, at that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Jesus stood before Governor Pilate awaiting judgment when Pilate asked the question of him, what is truth? It was too bad that the Roman governor didn't wait for Jesus to respond to his question because he had the answer, or should I say he was the answer. Truth, you see, was standing in front of Pilate, staring him in the face. Truth is a person, Jesus Christ, the God-man. In the book of John, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Thomas Kempis is quoted as saying, without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. And without life, there is no living. Then Jesus continued in John and said, At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. When Jesus abides in you, truth has taken up residence. When you have a quiet moment, take a piece of paper and attempt to diagram that thought out found in verse 20. And then try and wrap your mind around that verse. It's a mind-boggling situation. We may never fully understand it because God is God and we're not. But we can at least grasp the concept. It's the amazing desire of the great I Am to harmoniously intertwine deity and humanity so closely together that it becomes impossible to distinguish where Jesus begins and you end. It had been nearly 4,000 years of separation, but humanity and divinity were once again united. And in an unbelievable way, Jesus left his glory behind to enter into the human race. John describes it brilliantly. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory full of grace and truth. Each step 
in his ancient plan has continually moved the Godhead closer and closer to us. His goal has always been to draw us back into full communion with himself, striving to remove the barrier of sin so that one day this process can reach its conclusion. We must commit to join him in the process. We must invite him in to come and dwell within us, to abide with us in our hearts. It is this abiding process that will cause our hearts to burn within us and free us from sin. He loved us so much to reach across time and space to live with us forever. Do we really want to live sinful lives in response to that kind of love? As the disciples walked with their Lord, they became more and more familiar with His many and varied characteristics. Each revelation giving a new gleaming insight into how wonderful God was. You know, scripture contains hundreds and hundreds of names for God, each sharing another wonderful revelation, a gleaming facet of His glorious character. Let me share just a few names with you that are very special to me. Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Bread of Life, the Light of the World, the Word, the Living Water, the Creator, the Good Shepherd, the Lamb of God, the Comforter, and the Carpenter. I think it's so interesting that Jesus' earthly profession was a carpenter. He could have been anything, but he chose to become a carpenter, the master carpenter, if you will, the perfect one to remodel our lives. The sooner we get connected with him, the sooner the process can start. There was a pastor that was in India. He was doing evangelistic meetings. And near the end of the evangelistic meetings, one of the people from the audience came up and said, can I have that light? Can I have that light? Well, it was kind of a strange request, but this pastor had been in India many times, so nothing was really strange to him. So he said, okay, and he got up on his little ladder and he unscrewed the, he unscrewed the light. He gave it to the fellow. Next night he's doing meetings again, and the fellow comes back with the light in his hand. He said, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Pastor said, what do you mean it doesn't work? Well, I, I, I put it up and it doesn't work. Well, he said, how did you put it up? He said, I took a string and I tied it and I hung it off the ceiling. The pastor said, look, you have to connect it into the light source. Well, today I've got two interesting light sources, if you will, amazing light sources. I like to think in some way, and, and please forgive me because this is not an absolute perfect example, because God is so massive, God is so large and so wonderful. We can't give any great examples of God, but today here at school, I'd like to give you just some little example. On this side, we have a Jacob's Ladder. It's 18,000 volts, and it's, it's not geared down. I don't know the scientific terms. Please forgive me if anybody in the, the viewing audience you know, knows all the scientific terms, but 18,000 volts, and so we've got to stay a ways away from it, and I'm going to plug it in in a second. So we've got, I believe, the, the Father and the Son. They're up in heaven. And then over on this side, we've got what I like to see as representative of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. This one has 400,000 volts. Did I say 18? This one's got 15, okay? And this one's got 400,000 volts. But it's, it's geared down so we can get closer to this one. Like the power of the Holy Spirit. God has changed it. He's, he's kind of geared it down so we, he can give that to us in our lives to change and transform us, to light us up so we can actually glow for God, just like the light bulb. See if I can do this.
This one just absolutely gets things going. Look at that. Notice that when you get far away, light begins to go out. You get closer. Wow. Notice, and I can even feel that through my glove. Amazing power. This is what happens with God. When you get closer to God, when you invite God into your life, you begin lighting up. You begin glowing for God. God takes possession of your life. Only with your permission, though. Only with your permission. And that's for each one of us. God is looking for permission to enter our lives, to come into our lives, to change us, and transform each one of us. Now, I hope you, hope you viewers, I hope you'll, you'll look to God right now, invite God into your life to transform you, to change you into His image, into His likeness, because He's got the, the 400,000 volts. He's got His omnipotence. God is, God is an amazing God, all-powerful God, that when He comes in, He can do anything in your life He wants to. He enables you to go and walk and glow for God. For all the disciples, it had not been a happy week. It, it certainly didn't end happy. And now on the first day of the week, on, on Sunday morning, when it was supposed to be the resurrection time, disciples said Jesus was not resurrected. Everybody was sorrowful. Everybody was sad. And two of the disciples, they were actually from Emmaus. Now, Emmaus was a, a, an interesting road downhill, seven and a half miles, rocky, uh, tough road. And that's the way it was for these two disciples. Their whole experience was downhill. One of them was named Cleopas. A stranger at that time drew near to them, and it was actually Jesus. Bible says it was Jesus, but he kind of blocked their eyes so they couldn't see who it was because he wanted to share some very important information with them from Scripture. And he started all the law and the prophets and began expounding about himself to these two men. Well, this journey continued all day long, and these men found this a very exciting time. But as the day wore on, Toward evening, it was, it was getting, sun was going down now, and Jesus appears like he's going to continue on and, and walk away. But they say, no, please, please come and abide with us. Stay with us. We, we want you to come and stay with us. But Jesus, again, he takes the invitation. He, he kind of ignores it a little bit. And the disciples say, no, please come, stay with us. You know, that's the way the Lord is a lot of times. He wants us to choose to invite him in. Well, they finally persuaded him and he came on in. He sat at the, the head of the table and they prepared the bread. And like he'd done so many times, he lifted up the bread to give it the blessing. And at that moment, I believe they saw the nail prints in his hands because they yelled, it's the Lord. And as soon as they did, poof, he disappeared. Absolutely disappeared. And the two disciples said, whoa, we've got to tell all the other disciples. And they began pushing and shoving to get out the door and they start running back up that rock strewn pathway all the way back to Jerusalem. And now on the way up, they said, did not our hearts burn within us? Did not our hearts burn within us as he drew near to us? Oh, my friends, you see, that's what happens with Jesus. That's what happens with Jesus when, when we invite him in to abide in our lives. Our hearts will burn within us. And I wonder today, well, actually, I want you to think about this for a moment. Had they not invited him in, he would have kept on going. But they did invite him in. And I wonder about you. 
Have you invited Jesus into your life to abide in your life, to come live with you, to connect into the living vine, the one that will give all the nourishment to you, the one who will change and transform your life fully and completely? If you haven't done that, I'd like to invite you right now to do that. Choose Jesus, connect into him, and your heart will burn within you. be missing in your walk with Christ, but you're not sure what it might be or what to do about it? The Review and Herald has the answer. The book Transformation will lead you step by step on the journey of a lifetime. You'll be surprised at how easily changes in your life occur as you focus on the power of God. You see, it's all about God, the God who loves you and wants to transform you. Call today, 800-876-7313 or log on to transformationinfo.com. Jim was a drug dealer, an alcoholic, and a thief until God called him. But that was just the beginning. As someone said, he has lived six lifetimes. He became wealthy, lobbied on Capitol Hill, and was a church leader. But he was lost until God gave him a second chance. People tell us when you start reading Second Chance, you can't put it down. Your loved ones who may be wondering if God will give them a second chance will love it too. Now here's the information you need. Call us or visit us online. Have you considered how transformation takes place in your life? Every fiber of your being is to be interlaced on a cellular level with the parent stock, absorbing the ever so precious life-giving nutrients, constantly bathing your DNA with light, peace, goodness, and happiness. <laughs> like every good farmer, when the father has performed his task well, he expects to receive a bountiful harvest from the vine he has been tending to. That would be you. What kind of crop is God expecting to receive from you? Well, let me give you a hint. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Let me make a point here. The Spirit has one fruit, but many flavors. Fruit production requires the help of the vine dresser to access and to remove, if necessary, every twig, leaf, and stray vine of your life. To produce the maximum harvest or anything worth anything at all, you can't tell God, no, no, this area of my life is off limits. You can't say that. The reason we prune every year is because the old crop has come off of these vines, what we call the old wood. And as the vines go into dormancy, and do go into dormancy for probably two to three months each year, uh, they'll, they'll turn into this right here, which is just a, a dormant vine. In about two weeks, these vines, the new buds will come out. These are all the new buds that are coming, and they'll be this year's crop. Uh, if you do not prune them, what happens is this becomes a great big bush that hasn't been cut. And if you d don't prune it, what happens is you'll get a lot of small bunches and too many for the vine to handle, which means you won't sugar properly. And so you won't have a quality grape. You won't have a quality raisin that comes from the grape. Um, so therefore, you have to cut it back every year. Uh, this is a younger vine. This vine, actually, this is a vine that's been, this was an old vine. And we had to cut it here because it was, had some problems. And uh, we reshaped it. It's a now, now a nice vine. But usually leaves six to eight canes, depending on the strength of the vine. 
and then you'll have quality grapes the next year. Down here at the, at the root, or at the stump, had a little bit of uh, damage down here. A little, uh, maybe some bugs or, or some things, but uh, one thing about these vines, these vines were planted, I think this, uh, this 20 acres that we're on right here, there's 40 total that we own here. Uh, this site here was planted around 1930. Think about that, 1930. And if you take care of the vines, fertilize them, irrigate them properly, and cut them, prune them every year the way they're supposed to be, they'll live forever. Fruit production is not an optional exercise of the vine, but a byproduct of being connected to the parent stock. It's about choice, your choice of connecting into the heavenly plant. In the summarized Bible, there's a beautiful thought. Jesus is the true vine in which the life of the believers as abiding branches is hid Abiding in Him, the believer is able to walk in purity of life with Christ sharing all the interests of his life, taking all the burdens to Him and drawing all wisdom and strength from Him. It's only about the abiding life that bears the fruit to the glory of the Father. This living connection will assure you that you can weather the storms of life brought against you by the devil himself. I'd like to share a word from Jesus with you because he knew that you would be facing trials and troubles in this life because not all is joy. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain came down, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on a rock. And everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them shall be compared to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Notice there's two choices, there's two paths. And the rain came down, and the floods came, and the wind blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Did you catch that? Everyone involved in the building project in the cataclysmic storm was a church member. Understand that no one was exempted from trial. My friends, Jesus, our example, went through trials. The disciples suffered trials. And if you were expecting the trials of life to just disappear when you became a follower of Christ, well, you haven't read your Bible. Well, briefly, um we, uh, we were indicted for a conspiracy against the United States government for some income tax problems and uh, ended up in prison for 21 months. Um, so part of that uh, six weeks of those 21 months, I was actually in a, in a um, medium security prison to be sent back to India where I was born because they didn't know if I was American or not. Uh, well, we hear all the stories about um, when we go through trials, uh, we can call on God and He's there to answer our, our prayers. And for most of my life, that was true. Um, for this one occasion, you know, God didn't answer. Well, obviously I didn't want to go through this situation. Um, had it been 30, 40 years ago, we wouldn't have gone through this situation, but today is a different world. Um, and I think it's important that people understand that 
there are going to be some tough times. And just because God doesn't answer the way we want those things to be answered doesn't mean he's not answering. He is answering. Sometimes we won't know the answer in this world, um, in this life, but he still is answering. That's the interesting point. There were a number of people in the church that did uh, rally around us. The church, by and large, I would say did not. Um, in fact, we had uh, friends from other denominations that were much more supportive than our church members. Um, and, and I don't fault them. Uh, it's just that um, people don't realize that when you go through situations like this, a lot of people think you don't want to talk about it. And for most people, I think it's better to talk about things because you need to vent. You need to get these things out. And when everybody kind of steers the conversation around the problem, you can never kind of resolve the problem. You know, I still wonder why we went through this. Um, some of the friends that have that we have talked to at length have said, well, you have a lot to, uh, to give to people who really want to know what tough times are like. Um, I don't know if that's a real consolation or not. It's, you know, I'm, I'm glad we can help, although we haven't done that that much. Um, but I think it's a, um, the biggest situation I would say with people is what's changed me the most is to recognize that uh, when you go through tough situations like this, you've got to remember who you are. You can be stripped down to nothing. In there, I was, I was a nobody. I had no degrees after my name, nothing. But I was a child of God. Well, I would say the most important thing is to keep your eyes lifted up. Um, there are times when it just doesn't seem like God's answering your prayer, no question. Um, but He is faithful. And uh, you keep your eyes lifted up, keep your eyes open, and you're going to start seeing him answer in little ways that you know he's there. He may not be getting you what you want, but he's going to be answering, definitely. And just remember who you are. You're a child of God. Just like Job. You know, we got that, that story in the Bible for a reason. Job went through some tremendous problems. Um, that was not a cakewalk he went through. And yet, God was there with him. And for some of our viewers, what they may be going through, they may be in the midst of the great controversy, just like Job was, where, where God says, I can trust this person to represent me well. And that may be why they're doing it. That mm -hmm. may be the only reason. You know, the trials and troubles of this world are the means that God uses to refine and transform our character. Each trial cuts away the dead wood. It reshapes the crooked paths. It improves the spiritual strength. It sharpens the heavenly intellect and it fits you to live in the company of holy beings for all eternity. God never said that doing His will would be easy. He only said that it would be worth it. Now's your opportunity to purchase Jim Ayer's entire transformation package at one low price. You'll receive the book, the 12-week study guide, and the 12-episode DVD series. Each item will offer you, your family, and your church the tools to transform a dull, lifeless Christian experience 
into a vibrant and victorious life. This will truly be an investment for eternity. Call today, 800-876-7313, or log on to transformationinfo.com. This is perhaps one of the greatest books ever written on the biblical teachings of Christ. Jesus used parables to open the vistas of heaven to the people and to expand their thinking. As no other book has ever done, Ellen White unwraps the parables, allowing us to see Christ our salvation revealed in all of his beauty and splendor throughout each and every page. Order your copy today by calling 800-876-7313 or logging on to transformationinfo.com. My wife and I were on a flight to another country and as usual I began writing. In this case I was writing for my book Transformation. I want to share a paragraph with you that I was writing at the time. Would you like to become a more loving person? Would you like to experience greater joy and peace in your life? Well, most of us could use a good dose of patience as well as lots of kindness along with some goodness thrown in. I doubt that anyone would complain if we were given extra measure of faith and if you ask my wife, I could always use an additional dash of gentleness and self-control. Well, can't we all? When I finished this, we got off the plane, we went to the customs agent. Let me tell you, we ran into the custom agents from another place. They were having a bad day, and they asked me, where are you flying, or excuse me, where are you going to? Well, I said, we're going up north, I'm gonna speak at a meeting. That was the wrong thing to say. Had to go get our luggage, ushered into another room, and for half an hour, we were questioned with every kind of thing you can imagine. What meal I had two weeks earlier, why we were there, what was going on, and my patience level was dropping farther and farther and farther. I'd about had it with these people. And then they began talking to my wife, asking her, why are you here? Well, I'm sorry, you can almost see as I get going, I start reliving that moment of that day. In reality, you know, it's a good thing that transformation is a growing process. We all continually grow, and God teaches us to make more room for the Holy Spirit all the time. You know, it's exciting to realize that when the Holy Spirit abides in you, the, the old character traits begin passing away. They're, they're going out of your life and the new fruit of the Holy Spirit comes in. The more spirit you have, well, the less of you there is. It's an interesting phenomenon that happens as the transformation process just continues. You know, when you continue to study, when you continue to pray and walk with the Lord, the light of God begins to radiate from you. You know, just like the Tesla coil, you begin to, to light up, almost glow for God. Yes, people will recognize that you have been with God. I can guarantee that. As, as God allows himself to be more fully come out in you and abide in you, it's an amazing change, almost we might say a magical change. Now, I do apologize for that word, but I'm at a loss to describe how absolutely delightful it is when the Holy Spirit comes and abides in you and when God begins to change your life. I hope and pray that I'm presenting God's truth to you in the very best way possible so that you can grasp the enormity of all that God wants to do in and for you. Remember, you're in royalty training. He wants to draw your daily experience ever upward, washing away all the past life and filling you with the kingdom life, changing you from what you were to all you will become. As he abides in you, you will not be moved by the lies, the storms, or the temptations of the devil. He is forever ready to fill you to overflowing with His Spirit so you'll shine out to the world for Jesus. And remember, remodeling your life is all about God and His power working in you, transforming you 
into royalty.